Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I am your host, Joachim Eriksson. Today is a good day. About 40 minutes ago... Well, this is funny. It's My voice is sounding super rehearsed, even though it's just happened and I haven't talked about it before, but... Forty minutes ago, I was driving down this country road, out by McCartney Road, out where the the transfer station is, is that what it's called? Where you go and dump all your trash? But out beyond the transfer station, and there's these beautiful rolling hills, and everything is all yellow dry grass, and old fencing with different animals in there, and some cows, and some horses, and some emus, and everything's like basking in the sun, and... The trees are beautiful colors. <clears throat> and there's something I really enjoy about rolling hills specifically. When you're just like going up and down over these soft, gentle hills and there's no one else around. And there's like a little bit of hay gathered in the middle of the road where the wheels don't touch. Just like a row of hay sort of moving in the wind. And... um there were all these deer, like a good old flock of deer. I'm sure it's not called a flock, but a bunch of deer that were trying to cross the road in front of me, and three of them, the little baby ones, they got spooked, and um, they were just sort of meandering back and forth in front of my car, not knowing what to do. And then I had to talk them through it, and I had to be like, it's all right. It's all right, I'm going to stop and you're going to get a run and start and you're going to jump over this fence and join the rest of the pack. And that's what that's what they did. They tried a couple of times in the three little baby rain reindeer. I'm sure they're not reindeer, but, but um, then I kept driving. And then there was a hitchhiker. And I had this thing two weeks ago where... I've touched on this on the podcast before, how I'm like trying to force myself to do like these good deeds for people, acts of service for people so that I can feel good about myself. I do it for me. And then that feeling of feeling good about myself is a feeling I can ride into the sunset of sobriety and I can stay sober by just doing Good things to, for people. So, so t a couple of weeks ago, there was this like um, sort of little pudgy me Mexican lady on the side of the road, almost exactly where I live on the highway. And she was looking for someone to pick her up. And I was real busy and I passed her once or twice. And then I was thinking about it and I was, because I've never picked up a hitchhiker. And I was like, it just seems like a really sus thing to do. Like hitchhikers. First of all, it's a thing of a, of an older era, hitchhiking, like, we got apps for that now, but, but, um, so I don't stop the first or the second time I pass her, also, when you're by my house and you're hitchhiking, that probably means you're going to Tahoe or Truckee, and that's like, it is an hour, and I wasn't about to just drive an hour, but then I finished all my things, and I was going to go back there again, and she was also standing on this spot, like this 
bend in the highway where there's almost no shoulder. So it's like impossible to stop, stop there. So it's really the worst place to be standing and hitchhiking. And um, so all of those things, she looked kind of hard up, like she had a lot of stuff that she was trying to schlep. And it looked like no one was ever going to pick her up. So when I came back there a third time, I was rolling up there and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pick her up if she's still there and I'll drive her an hour to Truckee and it'll be like a a nice, sizable, good deed that I'll do. But then she was gone. So, so I wasn't a good person that day. And, um, but it stuck with me and I was like, if I see a hitchhiker, I'm going to pick the person up. And because maybe it's like, you know, I... Maybe I'm the recipient of a lot of privilege, you know. I'm like a tall dude who's not like physically afraid of people so much. So maybe the other side of that coin is like a responsibility to maybe carry a heavy thing once or twice and and maybe pick up a hitchhiker because they're not about to... I mean, I could get stabbed by a hitchhiker, make no mistake, but... But anyway, so today I'm rolling up on rolling around on the hills of McCartney Road over there and and um there's a hitchhiker and I and it's like a young youngish looking man and he's got long black hair and sunglasses and he's just standing there in the in the sun sweating bullets sweating bullets in late October and um and I just like screeched to a halt you know, like 30 feet beyond him. And he's like, and he's got his thumb out. It, the whole thing is so <laughs> fucking thumb out, dude. <laughs> like, what is this? This is a movie from, I don't even know. Did we ever, ever even make movies like that? He's got his thumb out. And I, and then I pull over and he runs up and he's like, yeah, he gives me his name. And we like shake hands and get in the car. And he just wants to go into town and I'm going into town. So whatever. And then we get to talking, and he's a ranch hand out there working on the Arabians, working on horses. And he's like, yeah, the horses are off in Tulsa on the show. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what's in Tulsa, but but I like listening to a man talking about his horses. So, so it was nice. And then we get to talking, and he asked me what, what I was going to do today. And, you know, I start talking about sparkling water and sobriety and... And I find out that he's he's also an alcoholic and he's got seven months of sobriety and he's been doing the meetings and we talk about the meetings and and uh, I didn't say this to him, but, you know, the reason I pick him up is because of the thing, you know, it's because of the program and because of the, the egotistical philosophy of doing service work for other people so that you feel good, so that you can calm down, so you don't have to drink. And I didn't tell him that, but I definitely wouldn't pick, wouldn't have picked him up if it wasn't for the 12th step. Uh, but it was just nice, you know? Sometimes when it's like that, when you talk to people and you start talking about the meetings a little bit, it feels like you're part of a cult. And it's the most wholesome Freemason thing, you know? It's just so wholesome. And it's so nice. 
And the world is a beautiful place, and we're rolling up and down these hills, and the colors are so beautiful, and, and he tells me about the changing, the turning of the aspen in Colorado. That's where he's from, where the, the aspen trees, they uh, turn color, and they have these beautiful leaves that move like, like water, you know, in the wind. They have the shakiest leaves, famously, aspen. And we got some aspen where I fr I'm from, and it's it's a it's a nice thing to it's a nice thing to think about. Maybe we'll do a water today. We're doing peach. Last week we did plum, and there was a Lacroix peach plum in the mix. So we're transitioning over into peach. So this is ugly. And this is peach. Good crack. Shouts out to Ugly Hugh, who owns the company and who sent me these cans of sparkling water. Oh boy. Very nice. Very nice. I'm sensing that this is going to be a good episode because peach really works in sparkling water. The peach plum LaCroix last week was plum heavy and all right, kind of boring. But this is, this is nice. It's a little bit artificial and, and, uh, and, and flat. The bubbles are good, but the flavor is a little bit flat. But it's a 7.5. It's a 7.5. What else is going on? So yesterday I was working at the restaurant and... Man, I got stuck there late because I do have this thing where in a restaurant I pretty quickly establish myself as the person who has nothing going on. So I'm okay with just being the last one out of there. And because you need a mix of people, you need some people that are morning people that are going to be okay with showing up at 7 a.m., and you need some people that are middle of the day people and then you need some people that don't have anyone to come home to and that's me and I don't mind just hanging around and flirting with Kimber until the very end so it's just me and the bartender in there yesterday and and there's a little bit of this pattern this is silly and it's like I shouldn't talk about this because it's kind of private and these people wouldn't want me to talk about this but there's a little bit of a pattern at the restaurant where because it's a nice restaurant where you sit down and everything is like made in-house and the server can tell you how each ingredient is like made in-house and you can buy a nice $15 glass of wine and you can you know, have a conversation about food pairing and, you know, because it's a little bit higher scale, excuse me, the excuse me came before the burp there, but, um, and because it's a nice restaurant in a nice hotel, where the rooms are quite beautiful and Instagram friendly and they're old school and they're restored and they're full of just antique shit and just exposed brick and antique shit and they look awesome. Because that's the setup, we end up with quite a few of the same thing where it's a date and it's a man of some means who is on a first date with a woman 
and they are both a little bit dressed up for the occasion, and it's a first date, and, you know, maybe she's a little bit younger than him, but they're still kind of age-appropriate, and it's like two real people who are taking each other kind of seriously, and they're on a first date, and there's this pattern of... The man gets a hotel room, and here's the thing. He doesn't get the hotel room before the dinner. He, <laughs> he is like mid-dinner noticing that the date is going pretty good. So he like excuses himself to go to the bathroom, and he goes to the bathroom. But then he also goes to the front desk, and he's like, could I get a room? And then he gets a room. And then I guess he, it just gets worked into the conversation where, where you're like, oh, by the way, I'm staying at the hotel. Um, and it's a pretty smooth transition at that point to be like, because if you order dessert, if you order a glass of wine and you finish up dinner, I'm happy to have you just take the glass of wine, just take the plate, take the silverware, just bring it up to your room. Like it's all one hotel. Like it's all going to make its way down to the fucking same dish pit on the first floor or whatever. It's all good. So I will happily bring people a cup of coffee in there hotel room and it's it's nice you know so people so we end up at this thing where people go on dates and then in the middle of the date they like have this idea that oh i could get a room and then last night there's this yeah i don't i shouldn't shouldn't say too much about this person obviously because it's kind of private and kind of embarrassing but they just kind of hang out until the end and you know we do a last call at 9 p.m and the bartender does the last call a little bit later and I get him a last glass of wine. And then like 25 minutes after that, everyone has left. And the guy's like, could I just have one more glass of ice wine? Which is like um, a type of wine that they make in Switzerland, mostly. They make it a little bit in South Germany and, you know, East, Southeast France or whatever the adjacent little wine areas is. But it's like this thick, syrupy type of wine that's made by it's called ice wine like ice wine because when the grapes freeze the water freezes and then you can crush them and separate it so that the liquid that comes out is the stuff that's not water so most of the water freezes and you harvest them up in the mountains where most of the water is frozen so the liquid that you get out the juice you get out of these grapes is all the other stuff and then when you ferment that and turn that into wine, it's like thick and it's got way higher. It's just like wine where you removed a lot of the um, water. So it's thick and it's sweet because they do these sweet grapes. So it's a, it's a, I used to, you know, it used to be a big thing back in, um, when I worked at Human International <clears throat> for the 2008 Shanghai Expo we were selling liquor and we were starting to sell Western alcoholic products. And the first thing was ice vine because it's, if you have a nice Asian customer who's never had wine in their life, maybe they're getting into beer. They've had beer. They like to drink it warm because Chinese people are afraid of drink, drinking cold beverages. They, <clears throat> this is crass, but they generally believe that that will give you explosive diarrhea immediately if you drink anything cold. So if you're in China and you have a cold bottle of water on a, blazing hot day and you go to drink it someone might swat the bottle out of your hand and be like that's ice cold water don't drink that and they think they're doing you a favor um you know because different different folks you know different strokes and it's all good 
cultural differences and and the thing about cultural differences like that is that they're probably self-fulfilling that if you never have had cold liquids to drink your entire life then maybe your body isn't used to it at all and maybe your body does maybe there is a little bit of trouble in paradise as ingrid would say ingrid back in the day she used to have this um she used to live in Smålandsnation, which is in the <laughs> in the <laughs> this is turning into such a chain of rants. But back in Lund University, when I was studying there, Ingrid was studying there, and we both lived in like nations. Nations are the frat houses or sororities. They're not gendered in Sweden because that's fucking insane to have them gendered. So instead, they they're coed. The, they're not, no one would even refer to them as co-eds. They're just buildings. The idea of even introducing the idea of gender into the equation is, is insanity. But so you have these frat houses slash sororities where you can live and there's some activities and you're kind of part of one and they have different cultures and they're all old like the university, like some of them are three, 400 years old. And Ingrid lived in this more, a little bit newer one that's maybe only a hundred years old. And it's a one with a very strong political slant. It's a strong communist slant. And everyone in there is a dirty foot hippie. And she lived in an apartment in there. And because everyone's a dirty foot hippie, you can do whatever you want to your apartment. So she would draw on the walls and everything. And she was quite into illustration back at that point. And she still is. And she's a beautiful, talented illustrator who has many things going on and who is, makes her money doing something else. But but she illustrated a lot of things on the wall and then she wrote over the bathroom wall, she wrote, Trouble in Paradise. <laughs> and for some reason, that stuck with me. And for some reason, that has just been this thing that whenever someone said that they have what Indian people refer to as stomach upset, that's what John Brilliant always told me that Indian people called it. When someone's got an upset stomach, I just refer to it as trouble in paradise. I don't know why, man. It's just like a body thing, you know? What was I talking about? Okay. So, drinking cold water, ice vine. Yeah, I sold a lot of ice vine to Chinese people back in 2008. And then last night, this gentleman is is spending some time with this beautiful beautiful woman in a real evening gown get up two beautiful people and and we're getting to the end of the night and there's no one no other guests in the restaurant and he's really sort of being hesitant we should just propose that they go up to the room already and instead, he orders a glass of ice vine, and I get him the glass of ice vine. And Kimber is like, "Well, I did the last call thirty minutes ago, but okay, I'll get you one ice vine, and then you have to drop the check." And so I, I get him a glass of ice vine, and he can kind of hear us making fun of him. And Kimber is like, "I would never drink this. <laughs> I would never drink this to save my life or something." And, and we've turned the music off so he can hear it. And and then they're just sitting there, and I drop a check, and I grab all their plates, and. And then finally it happens and finally it happens and and I don't hear what he says, but he's got the whole staff just standing at the other end of the room just looking at the two of them, waiting for them to leave. It's what I feel like it feels like. I'm not actually doing it that like that because I I'm very gentle with it. I'm very gentle with it. 
And I even let them keep their plates forever because I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like I'm rushing them at all. So I just let them have everything and I just let them sit and I don't even check in with them and I just want them to do their thing, you know? Because I've been that man, you know? I've been that man that has to be brave with a woman and has to kiss her. Every time, man. Women never do it. Women never do it, dude. Women never get the first kiss going. You have to do it as a man. It's the most unfair thing. It's one of those things where I would give up all forms of male privilege to make that one 50-50. And I would. And I would. But... um so then they meander upstairs and they take the beautiful elevator upstairs and and the world is a beautiful place. And we clean up out there and and then I come home at midnight yesterday and then I have to call the bank in Sweden because I have some sort of problem with a bank account in Sweden because they always get real confused. Banks always feel like they have no banks in Sweden always feel like they have no way of contacting me, first of all, because I'm in America and they just feel like God forbid you send an email, you know? God forbid you send me a text message or a call. So instead, they just shut down my account because they're like, we don't know how to contact you. So then I have to call them. And so I have to call the bank at midnight in America because of the time difference. And it's weird because my brain, brain is all spongy after a long day at work and it's midnight and I'm so overtired. And then I'm trying to talk to a Swedish person and Every time, it's every couple of months I have to do this. I have to make some sort of important phone call to Sweden and it has to happen at midnight when their phone lines are open. And every time I had this same thing of like, I don't know what we're doing in Sweden right now with how to say hello. Because when I was young, we did it different and we just said hello and there was no version of anything like, how are you? There was never, there's never a question this is a deeply ingrained English language American thing that to greet someone is to um, involve a question somehow. And that's not obvious that you would do that setup. And it's, but it's, it's a common setup that they do in many places, but it's not everywhere. It's a kind of a 50 50 split. And I believe that the sort of global hegemony imperialist culture of America, the fact that everyone consumes American culture to such a, you know, crazy veracity makes it so that more and more countries are being influenced by this and and turning into just picking up different American habits, including when you greet someone, you you have to include a question somehow. Um, and, and I remember in China, it's interesting because in China, it's a little bit regional and half of them do it and half of them don't. And there's this classic thing of how in the North, they say this thing, this phrase that means, have you eaten? And it just means it's a question and it means hello. And you're not supposed to answer with a real answer. You're supposed to say yes. Even if you haven't, the joke is that like, the joke they tell you when you're studying Chinese and going to the North is that like, even if you hadn't had any food for three days and you would murder someone for a saltine, you still say yes that you've eaten because it's, they're not asking if you've eaten. They're saying hello. And they, 
way to say hello back is to say yeah, beaten. And then in the South, they don't do that, you know? Five, six years I spent in the South, I never once heard a Chinese per- person say that. Never once. So it's regional. And in the South, they just say hello. They just say ni hao and that's it. And in the South, sometimes, sometimes when you're approaching it from like an American context or from an English language context, sometimes in the beginning of learning Chinese and being in the South, I would I would ask something like, I would, I would work in a question and be like, how is your day going? You know, like just ask like, how are you today in a sort of literal way? I would just literally ask like something, some version of that. And it never, it doesn't go over well because it doesn't, it's not something people ask. So people see it as a very personal question where it's like very rushed to go from, well, we just said hello, and now you're asking me like about my state of mind. It seems like a massive leap. And that's the thing in Sweden, where when I was a kid, we just said hello, and that was it. And then you stand there. Or if you got business, state your business. That's it. There's no, there's no like milling around with questions. There's no softening of anything. It's just hello. Some really rude hellos. And then that's it. And then I remember being in my 20s and trying to like try different things out, being in Sweden and trying to be more social because I realized that not everyone was like the way I was like and people around me were like when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, man, you weren't friendly to no one. Like you're in the store, you say hello and like the cashier will tell you how much money she needs from you and that's it, man. That is it. There is no friendliness anywhere. And if someone is trying to help you with something, you like run away. And then I remember being in my 20s and just feeling like I wanted to play around with it and feeling like I wanted to be social. And I would work in questions with the hello. And I think it was a period of transition where partly we were being programmed by American TV to adopt certain American um habits so half of the people were could see what i was doing and were willing to play around with it and go along with it and were willing to see if we could shift our culture a little bit and you'd had some very weird conversations with people that for the first time were asked how are you and then for the first time we're trying to answer and you know they'd be earnest or they'd not be earnest and they would try it around and then the other half of people didn't watch as much tv as i did so they didn't play around with it as much. And I would ask them how they were doing and they would look at me blankly. And the thing about it is that then it, when you ask a person like that how they're doing, it's very intrusive. It just is. They look at you like you're rude. They look at you like they don't get, they, yeah. They look at you like they don't know what you're trying to do here. Like, what's your game here, man? Like, why are you trying to be funny? That's how they look at you. Like, why are you trying to be funny? We just said hello. Can't you just leave it at that? Do you have to ask me how my day is going? You have to be a caricature of an American around here? This is Sweden, bro. Just say hello and fucking shut the fuck up. You know, that's that socialist conservatism. 
So there ain't no one more conservative than a real socialist. It's the thing Americans don't understand. A real socialist doesn't want anything to change. And that's that old world socialism. And so that's when I was back in Sweden for two years or whatever in my mid-twenties, ten years ago, trying to see how the Swedes were doing. And then now I just turned 35 and I'm in America and every three months I have to call Sweden for a phone call. And I, I'm not plugged in, so I don't know what we're doing. And I'm out there. <laughs> I'm on the phone with someone and I don't even know if they know that I'm calling from abroad because I'm calling through Skype and they probably don't know. And, and it's so fucking weird. And, and I'm, and I try to just let them take the lead and because I don't, yeah, I like it to be, I like it to be nice. I've also had problems with it where my lack of being plugged into Swedish culture and what we're doing nowadays is misinterpreted as so weird that they become very, very suspicious and think that there's something going on. Like, I do remember one time, I tried to go back to Sweden once a year for a week. COVID made me skip a year, but maybe three or four years ago, I'm back in Sweden and I go to my local bank in the sense that it's in the little village where my mom lives. And I wander in there and I got my passport and I even have my American green card and I have my bank debit card. And there's some issue where they want to close my bank account again. They're always trying to close my bank account, dude. And I'm in there and I'm trying to get, so in, yeah, uh, in most countries, when you do online banking, they give you this little safety device with a little code. It's like a little code generator where on the website, you get a code on the website and you input it into your code generator and that, that does some encrypted thing. And then that spits a code back out and you put that into the website. And then I go into the bank because I need a new one because they expire and the batteries die and you have to like get a new one with a new uncrackable sort of encryption system in there for, you have to get a new one frequently. And so I, um, I go into my bank three or four years ago and, and I'm asking for a new thing. And the guy, I wasn't plugged in and I wasn't doing it good. And I guess I only said hello and then stated my business and he was in a culture of, or we were in a, a wave of asking how you're doing or like doing small talk or the other way around. I don't remember which one. Maybe I was trying to do small, more likely I was trying to do small talk and I was doing confidence. I was doing a Swedish confidence and just wandering around sort of like addressing people directly, looking them in the eye, dominating them doing things that are, that Swedes don't do, you know? I wasn't doing that slender shoulder thing. In Sweden, everyone is so fucking slender, and they just, like, shave down their shoulders completely, and they just look like a little... I don't know. They look like something that could just slip right between the floorboards, you know? Like something gelatinous that could just slip right out of your hands if you try to hold it. And I guess I wasn't doing that, and I guess I was doing angles and shoulders and stuff. And and um, and because of me be not being plugged in, he thought I was being super suspicious. 
Yeah, I, I remember it now. I was just being confident. I was just like talking to him, talking to him and like trying to do small talk and like asking like what's going on. And like, I was like, is this, you know, I think I was just trying to ask about like banks and stuff because like bank offices are kind of closing and everything is online. So I was like, how's it going? And, you know, you guys get a lot of business around here, you know, trying to do some some really open-ended small talk. And he got so suspicious that he took every piece of document that I showed him, my American green card, my Swedish passport, and he would like call the institution that issued it. He called the fucking police department in Sweden and like held up my passport and like asked him if it's a legit passport. And then over the phone, they can like ask him a bunch of questions. Well, like if you hold it up into the light, does this thing shimmer like that with that color? And if you, is this thing transparent over here? Cause like a Swedish passport has crazy safety features. Like it's a hard piece of plastic with like 15 different safety features in it. And so he does all of that. And then he like calls America and asks about my fucking green card and i was so offended i was so offended because it was so much like the opposite of how if you're just confident doors will open for you and somehow i was in a situation where no doors should be closed i'm trying to do a very normal thing i'm a customer at your bank and i'm just asking for a totally re normal refresh of like my device is dying can you issue a new device for me i'm not asking for anything i have the old device right here and the whole thing took like hours. And that's how it goes sometimes. But yesterday went well. I called this lady up after midnight. The only thing that didn't go well is she was trying to spell out this. She was trying to tell me where to send an email. And she's like, Ronneby Bindestrek leave at folksam.se. And I'm out here like, how do you spell that? Like, R-R-E. And I just, I don't know how to spell Swedish anymore, it turns out. It turns out I'm a little bit stupid. So I humiliated myself. Ugh, actually humiliating. It was actually completely humiliating. And I'm re-experiencing that now. And it, it's actually very uncomfortable. Like, she told me, a totally regular place name that I should know how to spell, dash, life. Just the word life because it's life insurance or whatever, and that's it. And somehow I couldn't spell any of that shit. And she had to slow it down like I was a problem customer. Oh, that's making me... Re-experiencing that is making me uncomfortable. So um, let's do another water. Cause that's what the water is. It's a it's a crutch. Ah, I drink sparkling water when my feelings get too much. So this brand is called Revive. It's a sparkling probiotic, which is a lot of fun. The flavor is tangerine peach, and it has five billion. Oh, I almost said million. Five billion live probiotics per can. Refrigeration not necessary. Ooh. Produced and distributed by. Revive Kombucha in Petaluma, California. That's a beautiful place name, isn't it? Petaluma? Petaluma, it's the, just the right amount of Mexican, you know? Where, like, you have a name like Guadalupe, and it's, like, super fun, but it's, like, a, a little bit too complicated for people. Like, it'd be, 
You want your name to not be too complicated. Petaluma is nice. Not too complicated. Okay. Smells... <laughs> smells yeasty, not tangerine, not peach. So this is kombucha related, huh? Oh, that's so sour. Wow. Oh. Super tasty guaranteed is what it says on the side. I mean, that's not bad. This is very sour. Let me look for the tangerine peach. Yeah, it's not there. It's nice though. Like if this is 20 calories per can, it's a probiotic. It's an 8 out of 10 because it's just like a fresh... It's peach though. I can tell. I can tell it's peach. It's peach on the mid palate, on the end. First, there's a wave of fizzy acidity, beautiful fine bubbles, and then mid palate and in the tail, peach. That's an eight out of ten. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I I got to bed real late last night because I was at the restaurant until the very end and. Then I had to call the bank and then I went to bed late. And then today is my day off. So I was going to sleep in, sleep forever. And then there's this thing going on where I've been a little bit worried because I heard about this friend that's, they got in a car accident. And I had some people visiting from the East Coast and they were trying to find this guy and say hi. And they couldn't find which hospital he was at because he's, he was in an accident. That's all we knew. We just knew he was in a car accident. And he's in the hospital. That's all we knew. We didn't know how serious. We just know that this guy is kind of indestructible and that now he's in the hospital. And then this morning at 9 a.m., I hear the beeping of my front door. The beeping of someone putting in the correct code and opening my front door. And then someone calling out. So I know it's not Javi. Because Javi doesn't call out askingly, being like, is there anyone home, you know? Calling out names of people that don't live here anymore. So I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, fuck. What the fuck is going on? Someone's in the house. And they don't even know who lives here anymore. And I was freaking out. And for a long time I was just like, I'll just pretend to sleep. <laughs> what do they have to gain from murdering me in my sleep? I'll just pretend to sleep. I'll sleep through it. And then there's some ambulating. I can hear that there's moving in the other room. And so I just go in the other room and, and it's my dude, bro. It's my dude. It's the guy who we couldn't find which hospital he was in. And he's in my fucking living room at 9 a.m. And he lost some weight. And he grew out his hair. And he's hard to recognize it looks a little bit homeless, but but he's my brother and I love him. And he starts telling me this crazy story of like how, yeah, you know, I was in a fight with my girlfriend and in the morning I was going to go get some huevos rancheros and there's this food truck on the corner and they got great carnitas and I was like, I'll get the carnitas and put them on the huevos rancheros and it'll be awesome and, and then she'll forgive me and we won't have to be in a fight anymore and and then this little Miata sort of slides over into my 
lane on the high on on the road up there in the country and I had to swerve out of the way and I go up the side of this embankment and I must have just flipped over because I my car just like crashed 2,000 feet down this ravine and I tried to drive out of there but some man walked up to me and was like all four of your tires are flat brother so I was like oh fuck I can't drive out of here and, and only the side airbags deployed and the front airbag didn't deploy and He's telling me this crazy story. So he just wandered away from the vehicle and found a Dollar General. He just wandered through the forest until he found a dollar store. And then he ran into someone he knew. And that guy gave him a ride to his friend's house. And the friend was like, you got to go to the hospital. And for three days, he refused to go to the hospital. And then he's like, my tooth was hurting. So yesterday at 7 p.m., I agreed to go to the hospital. So he went to the hospital. He went to he went to the hospital and some other friend gave him a ride because the other friend was going to go bowling. So he's like, I'll drop you off. I'll go bowling. After bowling, I'll come back and I'll pick you up. So my bro is at the hospital. He has a CT scan or whatever of his whole sp- spine, excuse me very much. And it turns out that he's fine. He's just as indestructible as we all thought. Let's see if it's even recording the video here. Man, I love it. I love that this just keeps recording if I press play. So my buddy's in the hospital and he's fine is what the doctors are saying. So he just wanders out of there and then his friend never shows up. So he walks down to the bowling alley. I think no one's there. He just wanders around. And he can't find anyone. And this is at like 8, 9 p.m. And he doesn't have his phone and he doesn't have his wallet. That's an important part of the story that I've... He doesn't have his phone or his wallet because he left them at his girlfriend's house because he was just going to go get some huevos rancheros and some carnitas or brisket or something from the food truck. And he doesn't have anything. And he doesn't want to send anyone over to his girlfriend's house because he doesn't want to talk to her because they're in the middle of a fight. So he's all banged up from this massive accident and he has nothing. And it's 8 p.m. And then what he did was, he's such a survivor, dude. So he just wandered the town and then he walked down the highway until he got to my house. And I guess he had nowhere else to go. And he just wandered into my living room. And And he didn't sleep all night. He just walked around all night. And then he ends up in my living room at 9 a.m. Which is fine. And then I took care of him a little bit. And gave him some money in a hotel room. And just stuck a water hundreds in his pocket. And gave him some phone numbers. And he'll be all right. Just such a crazy sequence of events, though. Yeah. Maybe we should do one more water. Peach. This one is funny. The brand is called Clearly Canadian. Wait, does it say cilantro? No. Ontario. Oh, man, I thought it contained cilantro. Um, Clearly Canadian is a funny brand name to me because you could only... You could only have that name be the name for something Canadian. Like, you couldn't... You couldn't have like a store 
like frozen tikka masala in the in the frozen food section and have the brand be clearly Indian. <laughs> it wouldn't work. Or like Guinness and have the brand be clearly Irish. It's only with stuff that's because nothing in the world is clearly Canadian. Canadian is too ephemeral of a thing. Canadian is just like 80 Canadian just means 80% American. It's just America where you turn down the volume. You just knock you just knock it down a couple of notches. You just, you just take American and you leave it out in the cold for a little bit, let it quiet down and then it's Canadian. So nothing in this whole universe is clearly Canadian. Not even Drake or Justin Bieber are clearly Canadian. So, um, and then it's a glass bottle, sparkling water beverage. Sparkling water beverage. We had that last week. Why do they call it sparkling water beverage? Are there sparkling waters which are not beverages? Christ. This is turning into a thing, dude. But the the flavor is orchard peach. Ah, oh, how nice is that? Doesn't that just sound so nice? Like orchard peach. It sounds like peaches where the flesh is just perfect. Because look, people don't eat peaches all the time because a good peach is hard to come by. Because man, they're too hard forever. And then there's this perfect moment when they're nice. And then they go soft and moldy real quick. But if you bite into a peach and it's perfect, oh my God, get out of here. Oh, And when you call something orchard peach, it sounds like I'm there. All right, glass bottle, some bubbles traveling from the bottom of the bottle to the top of the bottle, as to be expected. Oh, very peach forward. This might be very heavily sugary and flavory. Does this have calories? Oy, 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 90 calories for a little bottle. Ooh, this is going to be... Oh, that's nice. That's nice. It's not really watery enough to be a to be on the pod, but but fine. I'm gonna let it pass because it's all right. It's syrupy. It's like it's like they took that you know canned peaches and syrup. It's like they took that peach flavored syrup in one of those cans and just. Stirred it into some water and carbonated the shit out of it. It's leaving this sugary coating all over my, the inside of my mouth. And that's all right. So, um, I went to the doctor too recently. I've been trying to get my foot checked out and stuff. Did I talk about this on the pod? I don't think so. Talked about how, talked about the problem of getting the insurance company to pay for my f- initial x-ray. But so now I moved down here. I got California insurance. I I was like, I want to set it up nice for myself and get a proper primary care physician, a PCP, and have insurance. And I just want to feel like I have the regular safety net of having access to healthcare. And so... I slowed it all down. I read what you need to read. It took me like an entire day of paperwork and stuff to apply for health insurance and get it all sorted. 
And then when you have it, you have to pick a doctor. And um, the insurance company has a list of doctors that are in network and they have a shorter list of ones that are in network and accepting new patients. So I just picked one of those and then I called her and was like asking for an appointment. And then the nice lady on the phone is like, she doesn't actually accept new patients. So that was the first wrinkle where I realized that the insurance company's directory is outdated, which is a little bit, a little bit, um, impractical. And then I, um, hold on one sec. Oh my God. Javi's here and he brought me a Cheeto. He brought me a crunchy Cheeto. You guys want to hear this? Yeah, that's registering on the mic. So the first wrinkle was that that I couldn't find a doctor because they weren't actually accepting new patients. So I had to call all of the ones that the insurance company said were accepting new patients. And then I finally found one, Dr. Jeffrey Frost. Should I say his name on the pod? Yeah, it doesn't matter. So the nice lady is like, yeah, yeah Dr. Frost is accepting new patients. So I sign up. I tell the insurance company that that's my doctor. I ask for an appointment to just go see him, just a little meet and greet with your new doctor. And it's like super early in the morning. It's like an 8 a.m. appointment or whatever, but they didn't have anything else. So I show up there and it's like, first of all, first of all, the building is shitty and it's hard to explain, but in Sweden we have shitty buildings, but they're all sturdy and some of them are old and there might be fucking hella mold in the insulation. There might be, it might be built and it might be ugly. It might be under designed. It might be horribly designed. It might be like looking real eighties and stuff. These are like our types of shitty buildings. And if you're at someone's house and they live in the forest, they might've built it themselves and it might be rickety and feeling really papery. But in America, sometimes you run into a building. Sometimes you come across a building where it's not in the middle of the forest, but it's papery as fuck. Like sometimes you're in a building in America and it just feels like the walls, like everything is just moving. Like they don't have rules about how sturdy a building has to be. And sometimes you're in a little business, like a therapist's office or an accountant or some small business owner, one employee setup kind of thing that they just have in a building that might've been residential before, but they've just converted it to an accountant's office. And sometimes you're in these buildings and they just make no sense. And they're so rickety. And so I'm in this doctor's office at 8am and I can just feel like the fucking walls. Like when someone closes a door in the next room, the whole building is just like, just like shivers for a second. So fucking crazy, dude. Excuse me. And so that's the first thing I'm noticing in this building. And then I'm starting to get angry because I want good health care. 
<laughs> I want a good doctor and I want good healthcare and I don't want it to be some money-hungry person and I want it to make be a person who makes medical decisions for me with my health in mind, not money in mind. And then when I realized that this, we're in this paper house here, I feel like this man <laughs> is trying to save too much money here with this building. So it's my it's the first red flag and I don't like it. And then I, I show up and I register with the lady at the front desk and she goes, and I'm like, oh, I have an 8 a.m. with Dr. Frost. And then she goes, so your appointment is not actually with Dr. Frost, it's with Dr. Shang. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, what the fuck did you just say? It's like we did the whole thing on the phone where I was like, is Dr. Frost accepting new patients? So it turns out that Dr. Frost is not so much a person. He's more like the name of the office. It's like the office of Dr. Frost. And Dr. Shang is the human being that I'm meeting with. And maybe Dr. Frost is like this theoretical idea where there's many doctors who work there and they're all, and they all quit constantly and new ones are hired. And it's just like this. So I don't love the way that's sounding. And then I'm sitting down and I'm like, Dr. Shang, like, what is this going to be? Like, Shang spelled how? <laughs> Shang can be a couple of different things depending on how you're spelling this. But I withhold my judgment and I feel myself getting angrier because I'm like, I don't want to be taken for a ride here. But I also don't want to overreact and run away from something that I might be able to ad hoc. I might be able to make it work. Because I, I have some friends who are doctors that I can like, I can get them in the loop and we can get good medical decisions going. And then maybe Dr. Shang can be the guy who signs the paper. So I can have access to the medicine I need if I need something. I don't have anything medical going on really more than just my foot needs an x-ray. But but so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just trying to withhold judgment. And I'm like right in between sort of serenity and anger. Feeling like I'm going to go to one of the two here. Um, and then the doctor comes in. <laughs> and he's like his hair is completely wet. And he runs in. And he runs through the door. And he slams the door and I can feel the entire building shaking. And then he goes and slams another door in the next room over and I can feel the entire building shaking again. And I'm like, oh. And just, I sit there and I'm made to wait quite a while. And I just sit there and I think about his hair. And he showed up and his hair was all wet. And he's like, a, his hair was wet, dude. And it's like, it made me think about all this stuff of how what do appearances, do appearances mean anything? Do appearances correlate with something? Like why in a business meeting when five people from one corporation are meeting five people from the other corporation, why do we make everyone wear a suit and a tie? Why do we make them look proper? And there's something there where it's like, the idea is that if they can't even look proper, then they're sketchy people. And then the fact that they can look proper is not enough, but it's like a basic thing. And it's like, if they can't even look proper, then you know that these people don't have their shit together. I don't know. I feel like that's one of the sort of basic building block ideas of why we wear business suits. Why we do our hair. And this man did not do his hair before walking into this office. And it made me feel like maybe his medical degree is... I don't know. I don't know. He had shortish, shortish black hair and he looked crazy. And 
He yelled something. What did, what happened? Something else weird. Now, I don't know. But so eventually, like 30 minutes after my appointment, I am called into this room and I think it's actually a different man who saw me. And Dr. Shang, first there's a nurse and she takes some, she does some questions, but I get to see the actual doctor. I was worried that, I was worried that they were going to whisker me completely and, and uh, make, have the whole thing be a scam. And I don't even get to see a real doctor. I just get to see a nurse because when I was calling all the ones at the insurance company on the insurance company list and asking if there's a doctor that takes new patients, some of them were like, no doctor, whatever isn't taking new patients, but I do have a nurse practitioner here that could be your primary care physician. And it's like, bro, a nurse is not a physician. Like, that's the whole fucking, like, what do you, like, lady. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Dr. Luke about that. And a funny, a funny response to that would be like, well, <laughs> a funny, extremely, extremely rude and sexist response would be to say, well, first of all, I don't want a woman to be my doctor because it's, it's funny because it like assumes that a nurse is a woman and a doctor is a man. <laughs> it's like super, it's super, I want to say politically incorrect, but that's the wrong thing because I feel like we shouldn't use that expression anymore because that just means that we disagree with it. And it's, I don't mean that. I mean to say that that joke is actually immoral and wrong and, and it would be a terrible thing to actually say that joke. But um, to actually respond that to the lady on the phone when she offers me a nurse practitioner for me to be like, well, first of all, I don't, I don't want a fucking woman. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so anyway, I get to meet the doctor and his name is Dr. Shang and he's a, he's a man and he's a Chinese man. And here's the thing, look, I mean, when when the front desk lady told me your meeting is not actually with Dr. Frost, it's with Dr. Shang, after she says that, she looks down because she knows that this information has not been broken to me before. And she knows that she expects me to not think it's good information. So she expects a possible anger response. And sometimes when you expect a possible anger response, you choose to just not give people a big opportunity to respond. Like a couple of days ago at the restaurant, I had this nice table and then they, they're having this big, nice meal. And then they're saying that they're thinking about staying at the hotel. So, so they're like, can we just see a room? Could you just like open a door and see the room? And can we like ride the elevator? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure we can do that. Anything for the guests, you know, and I check in with the front desk and the front desk is like, oh yeah, yeah, let me just ask a manager and we'll make that happen. And then she comes back to me and she's like, manager said no. And she walks away from me and she doesn't give me a response to, she doesn't give me an opportunity to respond because she's, she knows that it's bad news. So she doesn't even want me to respond. So she just tells me and walks away. And then I do the same thing to the table. <laughs> Every other interaction I've been like, you know, how are your fucking pancakes? You know, can we talk about your pancakes for a while? Isn't this like pioncio syrup delicious? This beautiful molasses flavor. Like, isn't this all good? And this and this, you know, potato fucking, isn't this potato very round? And then when I tell them that they can't see a room because the manager says no, I just tell them and walk away because I don't. It's the first time I don't make it a big conversation. And I just walk away and I never talk to them. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I shut it down. 
I had bad news, so I shut it down. Because if you have bad news, you don't want to meander. You don't want to linger. You don't want to linger on the scene when you got bad news. So the front desk lady at the doctor's office, she tells me that I'm not meeting Dr. Frost, I'm meeting Dr. Shang, and then she looks down because she's expecting me to be mad. But here's the curveball. When I get in the room with Dr. Shang, I'm like, bro, where are you from, bro? He's He asks me where I'm from and, and everything. And he's like, he says my name sounds like a Viking name is how he started it off. And I'm like, yes, I'm from Sweden. And then I ask him where he's from and... and um he tells me he's from Beijing. And the curveball is that I don't mind Dr. Shang, you know? In fact, I love Dr. Shang, and I actually hope that Dr. Shang is going to remain my doctor. What I don't like is if Dr. Shang is gone two months from now and I get some new random person. That's what I don't like. But Dr. Shang is good. And we talk about Beijing, and we speak a little bit of Chinese, and he's very appreciative of me, and he checks out my whole body, and he says I got a good body. And um, he listens to everything, and and he does a good thing where he slows it down. And I think that's the thing that people hate about American healthcare. That's the thing Americans hate about their own healthcare. That <clears throat> that's why you have these hippies talking about holistic medicine, because good, properly applied, applied. I just did like a racist Asian accent there on one word. Properly applied um, scientific evidence-based medicine is the most holistic thing in the whole universe. Because, because that paradigm, that way of looking at the world is open to any idea you can explain. If you can explain an idea and reproduce it, evidence-based medicine will adopt it. And... The problem that Americans experience in their own healthcare is that they show up with a problem and they ask these super directed questions just about that problem and then they prescribe a pill about for that and then they, they get you on your way just so that they can make as much money as possible where really what they should do is they should slow it all down and the same doctor should see everyone in your family and they should figure out how everyone's mental health is doing and how everyone's habits are and what everyone's like state of their entire sort of person physical and mental, like where everything is at. And that's good medicine because real medicine knows that all of that matters. And there's nothing in real scientific Western medicine. It's sometimes called in a very racist way. I hate the expression Western medicine. That's what they call non-Chinese medicine in, in China. And it's like, it's so rude because people from the entire world develop this thing that we that they choose to call western medicine it's rude to all the middle eastern people who started it off and all the asian people who work on all the different fucking cancer treat treatments in modern day earth life anyway um what was i talking about so dr shang and me are getting along and he does this good thing where he slows it down and he tries to talk about he just checks in about everything like He's like, well, you know, in some paper back here, there was something about depression. Like, are you depressed? Like, how are you doing with this? And really what I'm trying to emulate is I had this really good doctor in Seattle who, his name was Dr. Scott, and 
the first couple of times I met him, he would be like, he'd ask me everything about my life. And he found out things like that I was working on a novel, that there was sleep issues, that I had recently become sober and that I was going to AA and like trying to stay sober. And then every time he met me, he would always just ask me about my whole life. And um, he would ask how the novel was going. And he even sent me an email and was like, look, I have this friend who works for the the Washington Post. And if you want to call him and talk to him on the phone about how to get a novel published, do it. Because that's properly applied, holistic, evidence-based medicine. That if you can help someone with any aspect of their life, that positive change in their mind or body will cascade out to all the other stuff. If you can fix something in the body, that will heal the mind. And if you can heal a problem in their life or mind, that will heal their body. It's like, that's not, oh, God damn it, I get so frustrated with people who who don't want to go to real doctors because they think it's not holistic. Anyway, so Dr. Shang wants me to do some blood work and just take some blood tests and and he's like, you can go. So the, this really rickety building that he's in <laughs> is across the street from a serious hospital, which is also the serious hospital from the the previous story of the man who was in the hospital, had his spine checked out, and then just wandered around town for 13 hours and then just ended up at my house because he had nowhere else to go. That hospital that he was at is where... Dr. Shang is saying that I can go, or I can go to LabCorp. And LabCorp, man. <clears throat> and I, as I drove over to the office of Dr. Frost, where there is no doctor named Dr. Frost, I actually saw the LabCorp sign. And I noticed it because LabCorp is fascinating. LabCorp is like this infinite sprawling laboratory related conglomerate that does everything like my first dollar i ever made in america was i landed end of 2015 i had no plan more than like i'll put together a resume i get a job you know i got an american wife we're gonna see what happens and the first thing i do is i take the bus because i go around seattle a little bit and in the bus i see this ad that's like you want to make 50 bucks donate plasma lab core so i take the bus to the place that the bus ad is telling me to go to. So I take the bus there and they hook me up to a machine and there are all these people there that are like the working poor. And they're all like between shifts. Like they do a morning shift doing some fucking shitty minimum wage job. And then they have an hour to kill. So they go to LabCorp and they make 50 bucks donating plasma. And then they go to their second job. And so I'm there and it's fascinating. And it's like, this machine sucks all this blood out of me and then separates out the plasma from the blood. And then for like 20 minutes, the blood is then pumped back into my arm and it's super uncomfortable. And it's like this, this is pain in my arm. Cause it's like quickly squirting blood back into my vein and my vein feels like it's going to pop. And it's like the blood that I'm being squirted, that's being squirted back into my body is like drained of plasma and life force. So I'm being I get poor people blood back into me basically, but it's my own blood, but it's like the working poor version of my own blood. And that's, and then they gave me 50 bucks. They give me a debit card with 50 bucks on it and a Gatorade and you have to finish the Gatorade and you're not allowed to leave until you finish the Gatorade because there's some liability thing there that if you don't drink that Gatorade, you might, 
you might fall over right outside and smack your face on the pavement and 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 hurt yourself. So all the people, all the working poor that come there, they have trained themselves to just like chug an entire Gatorade in like two seconds because people always find a loophole. But so that's the first money I ever made in America. And then the second money I ever made in America, and that was LabCorp, the first money. And the second money, there was a, everyone knows this already. I've mentioned it on the podcast many, many times, but, but I, I, um, wandered down the street and there was this beautiful restaurant, delicious food, and it was called Chipotle. And I was like, fuck, this is great. I got to work here. And I get a job there and it's, it's how I got into restaurants because I liked it. I liked the part of it that's, that was restaurant stuff. And, and I, um, and the thing about it was that, um, they were going through like an E. coli, a massive E. coli outbreak that was like centered on Chipotle all across the West Coast. And so they hired LabCorp to come in and check everything. So we would have like a inspector that would come in and check and it would feel like it was a government inspector, but it wasn't a government inspector. It was a private hired LabCorp employee that comes in and looks at everything in the restaurant. So they do plasma and they do restaurants. They're the people who know how to do restaurants safely and not have an E. coli outbreak. So that was like my second interaction with LabCorp. And then <clears throat> I'm, a couple of weeks ago, I was seeing this girl and she works as a product manager at a little app. And it's an app where women keep track of their menstrual cycles. And you basically input some info about your menstrual cycle and it tells you what's going on and you keep track of yourself. And it really reminded me of this um, Chinese app that was very popular maybe around 2014 or something when I was living in Beijing where all women I knew were on it, all young women, they were on it and you input every information you have about your body, like your pooping schedule and your menstrual cycle and food and exercise and water intake, you, in, you input all of it and all of it is public and it has a social angle where you can see everyone else's account and you can friend people and you can see like how often they poop. And something about it was super positive to me because it just seemed like those things don't, I don't know, I don't like to talk about poop, but but those things, having those things be secret is probably a negative thing for our mental health overall. So, and in China where there's like no sex ed and every, there's so much stigma around everything and they don't even have a conception of mental health, like <clears throat> I had a friend in China once who was a psychiatrist and and she didn't even tell people she was a psychiatrist because it was so shameful to say that you're a psychiatrist and a therapist. So instead she would say like that she works with inmates. That's what she lied and said. I work with inmates, but really she would work with like really hard up sort of mental health issues kind of people. But so in that context to have an app where people just are open about what's going on with their sexual health and all that stuff. It felt really positive. And that app was called something like Mango or Pomelo or something. I want to say it was called Mango or Yodza. Yodza means Pomelo in Chinese. And I think it was something like the character Yo, which means Pomelo was in the name. But um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was seeing this. I'm still kind of, you know, trying to see this girl. She's real busy, but... 
but she's working as a product manager on this app where they women keep track of their menstrual cycles and then they got purchased that her app was purchased by LabCorp. And it's like, dude, what the fuck, dude? How is LabCorp in everything? Everything health-related in any way. It's like LabCorp just gets in there. And the funny thing about it was that LabCorp is like a laboratory company. So they just have this hard corporate rule that everyone who works there has to go through a one-week lab safety training. And this lady that I'm going on some dates with, she is doing a work from home thing as a product manager, being a liaison between like, you know, the programmers, the back end developers on this end, and like the customers on this end for her product, and then the management on this end to make sure that the thing makes money. And she's like the person trying to weigh all those needs to have the product, the service, whatever, the aspect of the app that she's responsible for, to have it be as good as possible. And it's like an insane proposition to have this person who works from home on a computer trying to explain to software engineers why the reviews are bad. Like, to have that person do lab safety training? Like, she does not work in a lab. And I just thought that was like a funny little... I don't know. Sometimes, like, capitalism creates these incredibly ineffective... Little ideas that are allowed to permeate, but I don't know. This is how it goes, I guess. And then <clears throat> I find myself in the office of Dr. Shang, and he's like, you can go to LabCorp and get your blood work, and you don't need an appointment. And for some reason, I was like, for some reason, the little hippie inside of me was like, LabCorp seems so evil. I don't know. Not evil. It seems like maybe I'll pay more there. I'll pay more and I won't need an appointment and everything will be real easy and I'll have to pay more and I'll rather just save money. And I want to go to the hospital and I don't want to see what the hospital, what's up with the hospital. And dude, the hospital is crazy because this hospital is old and it's run by all these smaller private companies that run to different buildings. And then I walk into building four, which is where you take all the tests and do x-rays. And I, I get to x-ray my foot because they don't need an appointment for x-rays. But in the same building, they draw blood and you do need an appointment for blood. So I couldn't do it that day. But but when you walk in, it's like the lady at the front desk, when I ask about the blood work and ask if they can get me in today, she's like, I have no, like, <laughs> she's literally like, I work for the company that owns the building. And everything that happens in the building is done by another company that we've subcontracted the rooms to called Quest Diagnostics. So I don't know anything that's going on in this building. I just know this front desk and everything in front of the front desk. I don't know anything that's going on behind the, the front desk. So it's like this Byzantine capitalist American healthcare one system on top of another system on top of another system on top of another system, impossible to understand thing. And then I was made to call a phone number to get an appointment. And it's like this computer and I do the appointment and I have to say the, all these crazy numbers into the phone. And then at the end, the computer is just like, we could not make the appointment for you. Goodbye. And I just have to call back again and, and do it again. And, and then in the end, it didn't work, and I had to go on the website and do it. And, and it's um, – I haven't made up my mind if this is good or bad healthcare yet because I don't think it's going to be helpful for me to just discard it all. 
Like so much of your instinct when you get put in this situation where you have to interact with American healthcare, so much of it you just want to wander off into the forest and just be like food is medicine and you just want to eat a salad and never go to the doctor. And I want to fight that and I want to have a vegetable juice in the morning and then a couple of times a year I want to have a real conversation with the doctor and I want to listen to what he has to say and I want to run that by a couple of doctors in New Zealand or Sweden and then I want to probably do what he tells me to do. And I got the flu vaccine when I was in there because I'm trying to get be a good person and I don't want to wander off the reservation too much. Like this dude that showed up at my house this morning, it's like, he's like, first of all, I love him like a brother, you know, and that's why I helped him with whatever he needed when he showed up, but I gave him a lot of hundreds and I got him a hotel room and it's all good. And he's a very successful man. So he's going to take care of me so much more. Like it's not taking care of a man like that is selfish, you know, taking care of a wealthy man like if an actual Nigerian prince comes at you and actually asks you for $400 so he can give you $4 million next year, like if that opportunity actually arises, the selfish thing is to give him $400, you know? And in so many ways, what happened is that I thought I was being burglarized, but there was a Nigerian prince on my couch complaining that his back was hurting because he'd been in a in a car accident. So I'm helping this man and everything, but I love him, but he's crazy. And I love him. And one of the things we connected about early on is he said he used to go to AA and he used to, he told me he did like three meetings a day for years, for like two, three years. He did two, three years of sobriety and he's like an intense guy. So he had to do three meetings a day. And then now he drinks again and, and he showed up at my house and he wasn't in a good shape. And I got him some liquor and he had like five shots. And then after that, he was a normal man and we could talk and we talked politics and, and he thinks that Trump is still going to be president. He thinks that the election is going to be overturned. And one of the things he said is, he goes, nine months ago, you couldn't have told me that the earth was flat, but now, you know, I flew to New York and the clouds, like I've never seen anything flatter than the clouds like that. And it's like, bro. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <sighs> I wish these people didn't wander off the reservation so hard. This man is not vaccinated, that's for sure. Clearly Canadian. That was a that was a six out of ten. It's too sugary. I think that's an episode. You know, LabCorp is everywhere. LabCorp is everywhere. I love you guys and thanks for listening. Gonna go... Gonna go eat some more crunchy... Crunchy Cheetos now. <laughs>